Alright, hey you guys, welcome to Podcast 17. 17, welcome back! 17, I was trying to find something to rhyme and I couldn't. Uh, the only thing I can think of is uh, Edge of 17, that's a great song. Yeah, had, I was thinking, she's only 17. <laughs> I was like, that's not appropriate. No. <laughs> okay, no, no, not that kind of podcast. No, 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 no. Alright, but recently uh, like two weeks ago recently i guess the tony awards happened what did you think about that Jeanette? well well here's the thing i'm going to uh, preface this by saying we apologize that we are so late but we've been kind of busy and we'll get into that later yeah but, it's um, exciting news but yeah tony awards 2017 well you heard it here first when i said do not count out dear evan hansen they were the big winner of the night. They walked away with six Tony Awards, including Best Musical. Uh, ben Platt won for performance by an actor in a leading role in musical. Um, Rachel Bay Jones won for Featured Actress. They also won Best Score, Best Book, and Orchestration. So congrats to Dear Evan Hansen. Yeah, it was a big surprise. I personally thought um, The Great Comet of 1812 was going to walk away with more, it being the most Tony-nominated show. But it just goes to show you're going to get the most nominations. And I think they walked away with two awards, which were all design awards. Yes. Well, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. But um, as anticipated, Bette Midler won for Hello, Dolly. Well, she, which we already knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. Probably won. She gave an epic five-minute speech. Now, that doesn't seem like a long time, but I think the second longest award show speech was like two and a half i mean five minutes she silenced the orchestra who tried to play her off she was not having it she was like no and she continued to just thank and talk and but she did give a lovely shout out to carol channing which was awesome yeah and pearl bailey mm -hmm. who if you guys don't know pearl bailey when the original show came out for hello dolly they revamped the show with an all-black cast. And Pearl Bailey, she um, starred as Dolly Levi, and she won a Tony Award. I think a special Tony Award for her portrayal. Yeah. Because technically it was a revival, so you're not eligible for a show that's con like continuing running and you're replacing um, – but they, they honored her with a special Tony for her incredible performance. And Carol Channing is noted saying her favorite out of all the many famous actresses who played um, the pivotal, iconic role, her favorite performance was Pearl Bailey because she made it her own. She didn't use any of Carol Channing's gags or any of her um, characteristics that she sort of made known for Dolly, which a lot of actresses have used, including dun, 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 Barbara Streisand in the movie. They use a lot of her, uh, her gags and jokes and stuff like that, that she added in and Pearl Bailey completely made it her own. And Carol Channing just thought it was lovely. All right. Well, the show also took home four awards, including best revival of a musical and best leading actress in a musical. Gavin Greel, Gavin Creel, sorry, won for best featured actor. So congrats to him. Oh, Gavin. They also won Best Costume Design, so, all right, good job, Hello, Dolly. Yeah, that was, it's really impressive that it took, it was nominated, I think, every single category, um, acting category, had a nomination from the show. 
So that's a big deal, especially since I think the revival this year, there were only three musicals nominated. Mm-hmm. The um, the American Theater Wing reserves the, the right to nominate as many or as few as they would like. And that was like sort of a big slap in the face to Andrew Lloyd Webber, who had two revivals this year. Yep, and neither one of them ended up on the list. And funny enough, Cats is going to close this December, so if you would like to see the revamp, go see it before this December. Yeah, and I think um, Sunset Boulevard is already closed. It was for a limited run. It was only, a limited run anyway. But it didn't get nominated for anything, so that's it's kind of unfortunate. And I'm, I'm sorry I missed it. I really would have liked to have seen it. Um, I knew that Glenn Close would not be eligible for a Best Actress nod because she won for that role. Which is a really funny circumstance. Yeah, but even if it's a revival, if you've already been nominated and won, for, won an award for a role that you're reprising, I don't think you're eligible. I do believe that's one of the Tony rules. Because Carol Channing, Lord knows, she revived Hello, Dolly a hundred times <laughs> in the 90s, and she was only nominated and won once. Well, you know what? As long as you win, does it really matter? No, I mean, you're just having a good time. Let's let's do the show again. Let's see how much I've grown. <laughs> well, that's one way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, um, also... I, I'm calling it now. What? Stay tuned. You're going to watch Patty LaPone reprise her role as Eva Perón and Evita coming to Broadway soon. <laughs> uh, Michael, I, you do realize Eva was like 26 when she died, right? Well, and Patti LuPone was in her 20s when she did it, but hey, that's not, that didn't stop Carol Channing when she was 70-something years old. I've always been a woman who arranges things. All right. Um, you Okay, if that's what you... If that's your your prediction for the future, fine. And uh, when Miss LuPone hears that and laughs, we'll be sure to say Make you sure. heard it here first. Make sure that's... I actually thought she kind of looked like Ava when she was singing her war paint thing. I was like, wow, she looks like Evita. <laughs> I was like, this should have done Evita. No, because they were doing war paint, actually, Michael. We'll talk about the Tonys. Let's um, let's let's move on to what we have subject here, and then we'll go from there. All right. Because I think talking about some of the performances would be a lot of fun. Oh yeah, definitely. We'll we'll get to the performances, but um, Oslo by J T. Rogers was awarded best play. Congrats to that. It's a political drama about a high level meetings between the state of Israel and the Palestine Liberation Organization, which culminated in the signing of the Oslo Accords in 1993. So, very high uh, stakes political drama was awarded best play. Now, looking at the other options that were also nominated for best play, I was actually a little surprised this one won. Well, I guess it's a sign of the times. It's important now. I mean, I haven't seen it, so I can't really comment on. I, I, this Broadway season, I wasn't, didn't really pique my interest too much. There wasn't a lot of things that came out that I felt like I had to go see. The only thing I went to go see, and the only reason I went to go see it is because my brother really wanted to go see it, and that was The Great Comet. But I, this, yeah, I was pretty uh, lackadaisical this season. Um, as far as Broadway's concerned. And interesting enough, a lot of people were, and that was also reflected in the Tony Awards and the viewership. Well, how many times do we have to say it? If you want people in our generation to watch it, you've got to stream it. The Academy Awards 
I can't go anywhere without people trying to make me stream that for free with no sign up or any problem. But the Tony Awards, I have to give CBS my firstborn child. Like, no. It's really interesting, too, because out of all of the award, out of all the award shows, probably minus, like, the, with the exception of the VMAs, it is one of the more interesting um, award shows to watch because there are live performances. You're getting to see a song or a, a, a medley from these shows that are nominated. And for a lot of people who love the theater, who are theater geeks or, you know, they just love musical theater, they don't necessarily want to be an actor or they can't get to New York. This is sort of an outlet for them so that they can see it and they can kind of be a part of the show. And I know a lot of people who have Tony parties and everybody gets dressed up and goes over to someone's house and, you know, and they all take bids on who's going to win. They fill out their ballots or whatnot. And it's a lot of fun. So it's just really kind of unfortunate, especially in a world where less and less have cable TV. It was really odd that CBS decided not to have it available and then not to allow other streaming services such as Hulu um, stream it because the Academy Awards do and the Golden Globes do and the Emmys do like they're they're the next day they're on Hulu so you can watch it if you missed it. It's really weird that CBS is like cuffing it. I know, maybe it has to do with the live performances. All I know is this was one of the lowest watched Tony Awards in history and unfortunately because I really do like Kevin Spacey, he received pretty low reviews as the host. So I, I like Kevin Spacey a lot. I think he's really great. I, I know that they had a hard time trying to find a host. And Kevin Spacey, even, he pokes fun at it in the opening number. He was like, oh, we can't find a host because nobody wants to do it. And he's like, I'll do it. you know. And it was, it was interesting to say the least. Um, it, it was, uh, his opening number was a little lackluster compared to the past couple of years. Even James, uh, James Corden did a did a great opening number, and I, I was just wondering who the writers were, and just like, oof, that's what you came up with. It didn't get you pumped up or excited. I think one of the best ones I've seen, um, as far as opening numbers are concerned, Neil Patrick Harris. Yeah, his is legendary. Tonight we're bigger. It's getting bigger. You know, like it was really he pulled out all the stops, and it was a really great show. So hats off to those songwriters. It was really great and well directed production number but this one just sort of it kind of fell flat and it was but it kind of set the tone for pretty somber evening the whole evening was pretty somber even some of the performances i was really surprised at the best musical nominations the songs they chose to perform yeah. there was that sort of stood out to me that oh my god all right i missed it now i gotta go see it everything was even dear evan hansen i was just like okay yeah, very subdued performance, and can we just say, what the hell, Hello Dolly does not have Dolly Levi perform? Like, that is the whole reason I wanted to watch the Tonys, was to watch the number from Hello Dolly. And then, no offense, but I, I, I didn't watch it to see him, I watched it to see Bette Midler. David Hyde Pierce did a really great job, though. He did a very I, great job, but that's not what people came to see. Well, it was just... In, I, I, I really do feel like the producers were like, okay, cool, we're sold out until next year. We don't really need to boost ticket sales. You know, no one can get a ticket anyway, 
so we can just do whatever. It was kind of disappointing because so many people know Hello Dolly, um, especially the older generation who, for nostalgia factor issue, you know, they saw a song that was originally cut from the production that they put back into this new production. So there wasn't even the nostalgia factor because you're just like, oh, okay, I've never heard this song before. Like, this is a brand new song. Okay. I mean, there was there was nothing. The curtain the entire time. There was no sets. Because, I, I mean, Hello Dolly won all of these, like the costume design and all these other awards, and we want to see these beautiful we costumes. We didn't get to see anything. We All we saw was the really, you know, Boris, Horace, Vanderbilt, whatever his name Vander is. Vandergilter. <laughs> Yeah, and him in a drabby-looking suit with a really resting bitch-faced expression singing a song about how he's never going to get married. Yeah. So I, was, it was, I was very disappointed. It was disappointing, and I know Bette Midler, she said she, you know, she's tired, she didn't want to perform at the Tonys, and I actually really thought that was um, kind of a disappointing move because there's so many people who will never have the opportunity to see Bette Midler in this role, and... And I've, when it was announced, everyone agreed immediately that she would. She's perfect. You know, it's one of those shows that you don't revive. You don't even attempt if you don't have an amazing Dolly Levi. You know, it's like Funny Girl. Hence why it's never been tried. I mean, they they've done some out of towns, and everybody kept saying, "Uh, it's not Barbara Streisand, unless you have a Barbara." Yeah, shelve it. You know. Even Son Foster, she she stepped into the role of Fanny Bryce at the New York City Center, where a lot of Broadway shows get their first sort of workshop, you know, as far as revivals are concerned. You know, shows that have been out a long time and to see if there's any interest. And yeah, that one got shelved pretty fast too. And then there was there was rumors that Leah Michelle was going to step into the role. And then that didn't come into fruition at all. Yeah, it it was just a very disappointing decision by Miss Midler, but I mean, whatever, it's her decision. I'm just, yeah, I'm very it, disappointed. It would have been great for people to get to see her in those costumes, even if she didn't sing anything, just strut around and let the uh, the chorus sing "Hello Dolly." You know, I think that would have been more tintillating than, you know, what we got. Yeah. So it was just, I don't know, the whole the whole Tonys just seemed kind of really lackluster. And Groundhog Day, the musical, like, what the hell? Why would you do that song? <laughs> I was like, that does not make me want to see Groundhog Day. I was like, and it started snowing. I was like, yeah, okay. I was like, uh, what? Yo, I was like, upbeat, come on, guys. Let's, let's I know, this is, this is so low, so Rare it up and ready somber. to go. And I say, well, Kevin Spacey's opening number didn't really get anyone pumped up. So, you know, it it, prob it set the mood for us to all, like, sit back and, uh, you know, just pray this in soon. <laughs> That's terrible. All right, all right. What about Great Comet? What did you think about their performance? I, I, I liked it. it. It was high energy. There was a lot happening all at once. But once again, it was a strange number to do because taken out of context, it didn't make any sense. So it was kind of it was you you were kind of lost and all these people were dancing around the audience and they were dancing on stage and they were like toasting and drinking and you're just like that's not what the show's about. So you just wanted them to do charming. Or I thought they could have done the opening number. But yeah, they could have done it where they explain everything. Yeah, where they introduce the characters. That's a fun number. It's witty. It's funny. 
It, 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 and it tells you what the story is. Yeah, and it tells you that it's complicated, and you you gotta pay attention. If you don't pay attention, you're not gonna, you're gonna get lost. And I got lost. Yeah, because you weren't paying attention. Well, I didn't read the playbill. I didn't read the. the they tell program. they tell you to look it up in your program. I know I had champagne, and by the time you know they told me that the show had started, so. <laughs> well, champagne, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, but there were some really cool things that happened, like Lori Metcalf, you know. Yeah, yeah, she won. Congrats to her. Uh, let's see what she won for her role in A Doll's House Part 2, which we talked about on a podcast earlier. Mm-hmm. She won Best Lead Actress. And if you guys mm-hmm. remember Laurie Metcalf, or maybe you don't, she was um, Roseanne's sister on Roseanne. I didn't know that, actually. Mm-hmm. She was on the show. She was a regular. She was in all the seasons. And she's an amazing stage actress. So... That was a big surprise when she um, she did Misery with Bruce Willis, I think, on Broadway. Oh, that's mm-hmm. interesting. She got really great reviews. Um, and Sir Kevin Klein. Yeah, he won his third Tony Award for Present Laughter. Congrats oh. to him. Three Tonys. And then, like we said, the Great Common only won two awards, Best Seating Design, Best Lighting Design, which is really disappointing because it really – I thought the direction was really innovative. I've never seen a show in a Broadway theater transform the way that that was, and I thought Josh Groban <laughs> was amazing performance, and yeah, it just – 12 Tonys and one two. So that's – I know that was a big, uh, big hit. To the great comment because I can only imagine be so excited you got so many nominations and just only one two so yeah well I mean go see it guys go see it it's really fantastic if you have to be in Terminal Eight at JFK um, on Friday they actually have um, a little medley that they do they perform because American Airlines is one of the producer sponsors of Great Comet so. Check it out. If you happen to be in Terminal 8 around 2.30 or 3, you'll get to see a little medley and see some of the shows. If not, we'll link to um, some great songs from the show. Yes, we've already linked to Charming, which you've seen. Charming. And it's Michael's favorite song. It's a really... And uh, we'll link to some of the performances if anyone's recorded them. Yeah. So, anyway, to sum up the Tony Awards, Kevin Spacey, it was a little lackluster. He... He tried. It was fun. He was great. I mean, he wasn't, like, bad. It's just his material wasn't revved up and exciting. Um, and it was the lowest-watched Tony Award shows in history, which is not good. Yeah. I, I think that sums it up perfectly. It wasn't that great this year, and we're a little disappointed. But you know what? There's always next year. I guess we need a Hamilton every year to get people excited about it. We just need a better season. I more, just a better season. I think this was a really kind of a lackluster season. The shows weren't great. There was nothing that really just stood out. I mean, that's my opinion. Like the newer shows, Amelie closed, and Andrew Lloyd Webber can't get another hit to save his life. But he still has Phantom, so that says something. He'll always have Phantom, which is an amazing show. And the longest-running Broadway show. You can still get tickets to go see it, and you can get, like, $35 tickets. It's, it's pretty cool, and it's worth seeing. If you haven't seen it, go see it. 
Now, moving on to one of my favorite people in the world, Audra McDonald. Now, I think you've heard her name before on one of our podcasts. Oh, one, once or twice, maybe. Three of our podcasts. But she was named Honorary Chair of the New York Musical Theater Festival this year. We will be there again this year. We were there last We'll be there with Bells. In fact, I'll actually be here. I'll be there this year. Yeah, and we will do little quick videos on our YouTube channel, talking, giving reviews of the shows that we've seen and really promoting the stuff that we really liked. Last year I saw some really great, great stuff, and I saw some not-so-great stuff. But um, it's a wonderful platform for new, original musicals to be seen. And that is awesome. I think one of, uh, one of my favorite shows was Ludo's Broken Bride. They took the entire album um, and turned it into a musical, and it was over the top and fun. Puppets and... It was just really a cool show. They did a really, really great job. The acting was fantastic, had a lot of energy, and that's a show I'm hoping to see down the line. A lot of these shows sometimes take uh, a long time before they actually get backing and make it to Broadway. But some of some of the Nymph alumni, Nymph, if you guys don't know, NYMF is New York Music Theater Festival. Some of the alumni are next to normal. That is one. And Chaplin, that's another one. They started at Nymph and they went to Broadway and beyond. So Nymph is a really big thing. You see some good stuff and you see some bad stuff. I think the one that won the entire festival was Newton's Cradle, which I saw, and that was excellent. That I really was liked that. By Victoria Clark, who won the Tony Award for Light in the Piazza. So this was her directorial debut, and she did an amazing job. It was a really great cast. Um, the guy who actually played the lead, he wrote it. So it was really, really, really a cool show. I really liked it a lot. Um, and maybe that's something we'll see down the line, because it did get a lot of interest. And then I saw some camping thing, Camp Rolling Hills or whatever, and that was like a cute show for high school and stuff to do. It was The music was really nice and a lot of opportunities for young actors. But anyway, uh, Audrey McDonald, she said, quote, New musicals are essential to seeing our art form continue to flourish and impact new audiences. It's important for artists to support these new works by bringing them to life on stage. In my career... Some of the most rewarding endeavors have been those explored alongside the composer, playwright, or director. Their ideas are not only artistic, but often have an important message for the audience, one that can have a great effect on our society. All right, and a side note, we need that more than ever right now. Um, she continues with, The beauty of theater is that people of different races, ages, genders, and orientations gather together to hear a story. I believe that sharing this experience is an amazing way for all of us to find what we have in common rather than how we differ. New ideas and new musicals bring people to the theater. The more people we bring in, the greater our chances are to find common ground. All right, Miss McDonald. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree more. And especially, um, as I side noted just a minute ago, um, I mean, you're no one's hiding under a rock. We all know what's going on, and it's pretty. It's 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 bad. It's it's pretty bad, and it's only causing social unrest. And there, it's amazing. I think the theater right now is more important 
than ever. So if you can't make it to New York and you can't go see a Broadway show, go check out a show that maybe you've heard of and that you really like a lot. That's at a local college. Cause these are, these are young performers who, who want to make it, you know, like they're, they're studying this and they are good. They're learning, they're training and the show is going to be halfway decent or go to a community theater, which has its own little politics. I know, <laughs> but support the theater, go out there and just have a night out, make a night of it. And it, it, you, you'll be more enlightened because of it. And you'll be supporting the theater, and we need the theater to live on. We need the theater more than ever right now. The world's in a really crazy place. I agree. And I recently just saw Finding Neverland, the tour, when it was here. And then I turned right around and I went to the local community college. They were putting on Next to Normal, and it was a great show, actually. They did a really good job. So theater's important and don't write something off just because it's not a professional like you know national tour or professional play because let me tell you they did a pretty good job with next to normal i was very impressed absolutely some of my some of my most favorite performances were the ones that were not um professional or broadway or equity or anything like that and the main reason for that is it's really it's it's people coming together for the love of doing it. And they're not, and, and sometimes, you know, they're not getting paid to do it. They just want to put on a show. They want to, they want to do it. They want to stretch some muscles and they want to, you know, show out or whatnot. And it's a lot of fun to see that energy because I've seen a lot of professional shows that, that lack that. They don't have that spark or that rawness to it of just the fun of coming together to put on a play, to put, to do something, you know, and that is, um, I know that's heart. And if a show doesn't have heart, then it it becomes a very long show. And you, yeah. and you sit there. Um, I've seen a couple of those on Broadway, believe it or not. So, yeah, Broadway isn't like, yeah, it's the great white way. It's the, the top of the top of as far as American theater is concerned. That's in the books. But where the heart lies, the heart lies in when you have – a group of people who come together, the stars align, and something really special happens. Kind of like our last filming experience, right? Yeah. Well, we're going to get to that. Um, but we have some upcoming Broadway shows. So we talked about how the season, this past season, wasn't great. Here's hopes for next season being awesome, starting with... Well, let's start with... The Cher Bio Musical, coming to Broadway in 2018. So, next year, you can see three actresses portraying Cher at three different points in her life, chronicling her achievements and, of course, featuring her iconic music. Now, everyone knows Cher. Everyone loves Cher. Cher is an amazing person. And she is also the only artist to reach number one on the Billboard charts in each of the past six decades. Let's just let that sink in. For 60 years, she has had at least one number one song on the Billboard charts. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that's insane. No wonder everybody wants to be here. Male, female, everybody wants to be Cher. Because Cher is amazing. Cher is one of those keystone that's species awesome. of humans. Yeah, we she's are a, better because she has existed. 
Well, she was on Broadway once for Come Back to the Five and Dime, Jimmy Dean, Jimmy Dean, which is one of my all-time favorite plays. Mm-hmm. That was in 1982. And then she did her, she reprised her role in the movie. Which, which is a really good movie with Sandy. It's a very good movie. Sandy, actually, everybody in the movie reprised their roles from the Broadway show. It has, and it was Kathy Bates' um, Broadway debut. She has a very small part in it, but Kathy Bates was in it. Sandy Dennis, who is an amazing actress. Um, she's most famous for the original Out of Towners. They remade it with Steve Martin and Goldie Hawn, but the original was with Jack Lemmon and Sandy Dennis. It's Neil Simon. If you guys know Neil Simon, he's a famous uh, playwright. He's known for his, his heartfelt, but also his um, comedic plays the odd couple that's neil simon barefoot in the park is neil simon which is really funny because i just met jane fonda and <laughs> that was interesting Wait, you met jane fonda yeah um it, she was very unpleasant but <laughs> she, oh wow really she, was, she wasn't very nice but um it was cool because she you know she's famous for many 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 reasons but um one one of her most famous roles is barefoot in the park and I kept. She doesn't like that now, but she was. Okay, do you know how long ago that was? Come on. Yeah, it was a long time. But anyway, Cher, back to Cher. She was on Broadway for the um, Come Out of the Five and Dime, Jimmy, Jimmy Dean. Uh, this show was way before its time. It deals with transgender. Check it out. It, it stars Sandy Dennis, Cher, um, Kathy Bates, and Karen Black. So it's a, it's a, it's a great show. It's really a great show. All right, so Share Biomusical coming next year. I would go see it. I think it would be amazing. I just hope it doesn't end up like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Which did well. It was produced by Tony Award winning actress Bad Midler. Okay, listen. It did well, and I love the movie. But I just don't want it to become this campy musical review i wanted to actually be about her incredible life with some heart thrown in because let me tell you Cher's actually a really great person and she's a pretty good actress as well as as great. an amazing yeah. singer she's an academy award winning actress so i don't want it to just be midnight review with feathers and sequins everywhere i mean there had better be feathers and sequins in some parts of it but i just don't want the whole thing to be that well, I mean, we'll see, but I guess since we're on this topic of share and it feathers and sequins, it's Pride Month, guys. It's June. <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, and to celebrate Broadway shows, um, <laughs> well, no, and to celebrate, Broadway shows have included a rainbow across the top of their playbills, which is a tradition going back four years now to celebrate the theater communities of LGBTQ artists, allies, innovators, and fans. These are huge collector's items, so if you go see a sh any show, uh, the playbill will ha will have the rainbow um, rather than the yellow to yeah. border playbill. Only for the month of June. Yeah, they're collector's items, and people are they're paying a lot of money. So go see the show. <laughs> and you want your money for your ticket back? Sell it later. eBay, because people will buy it. Huh, that's actually not a bad racket if you think about it. No, not at all. So, yeah, you guys, um, enjoy Pride Month. Be safe. And, yeah, have fun. All right. 
So, uh, my favorite person on earth, and I swear we talk about her every single podcast, and that's probably because I write the podcast, but whatever. So, <clears throat> Adina Menzel, of course, you knew this was coming, might be headlining Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill musical that we talked about last um, last time. Um, yeah, can you picture her singing that? Well, I hope she's a doctor. Oh my god. I just want to read the book. I want to know how they're going to do this. It's a very angry album, so I'm, I'm, I'm really... It is. Lots of angst and all that. But, kind of, um... Uh, about singing. And, of course, everybody had this album. If you're a millennial... Everyone knows the songs on the song. You know the songs. Ironic. Um, One Hand in My Pocket. You Ought to Know. Not the Doctor. Mary Jane. I mean, like, the list goes on. Yeah, it's, it's one of those iconic... It's like TLC Waterfalls... That's... Everyone had it. In fact, oh my god, that's probably the next musical. Oh, you heard it here first. TLC Waterfalls. Alright, so she's currently leading the stage reading of the project, which is what's fueling this rumors. However, she um she's going to star in the off-Broadway production of Skin Tight around the same time this is supposed to premiere. So there's kind of a conflict there, but I mean, she is headlining the reading of the project. So let's see what happens. And also congrats to her about Skin Tight. But um, I would I would like to see her in this just because it's, it's so different for her voice. You know what I mean? Like the yeah. kind of voice she has. She has she has the right kind of look for it. If you, you know, if I was gonna cast anybody as Atlantis or an Atlantis type, I would. I mean, like I'm not surprised. And I actually, I actually think her voice might. I think her voice sounds like she could do it. Oh, I'm sure she could. It's just yeah, so different. So it's so different than everything I've heard. But um, well, as a reminder. Jagged Little Pill will follow a modern, multi-generational family and will explore gender identity and race relations. Now, hearing that description, and then cast your mind back a few seconds ago when Michael gave you some examples of the iconic songs from that album, I don't really... I'm excited to see how they work those songs into gender and race relations. And into a story. Yeah, and, and into a cohesive story with a modern, multi-generational family. I'm just thinking, like, You Ought to Know is probably going to be the big, like, hardcore number. But the thing is, there's so many... What would that be? What would the central conflict to that be? I'm just thinking about the the lyrics. Well, we just have to wait and find out on <laughs> No, I'm excited, but um, you know what? Funny thing, you know, she um she was famously in a mixed race marriage to Tay Diggs. She has a biracial son with him, so this this hits pretty close to home talking about race relations. Um, yeah. So I mean that can only inform the performance. So we'll see. We'll we'll see. Yeah. All right. Um, speaking of musicals, um. Coming to Broadway, because that's what we're talking about. The SpongeBob SquarePants musical will hit Broadway this fall. So we heard about it. We talked about it before when it was premiering in Chicago about a year ago. Um, and to a lot of people's surprise, to much success. 
Um, previews will start November 6th. Opening night is December 4th. So they, they've they already booked the theater. They've already announced the time. It's in rehearsal or a casting. It'll be yeah. in rehearsal. And, yeah, so SpongeBob SquarePants, a musical, will hit Broadway. So that's exciting. The show features original songs by Aerosmith, Sarah Bareilles, John Legend, David Bowie, and more. <laughs> So they, they need a lot of people to get this to work. So. But they say it's not going to be a jukebox musical. However, looking at that list, that's exactly what it sounds like. But we'll see. We'll see. I, well, and, and taking the context, too, if you're hearing this for the first time, um, yeah, you're thinking about the cartoon and you're just kind of like, all right, um, how are they going to make a cohesive story out of that? It is not the cartoon. So this is... Um, you know, to put this in perspective in some way, like Shrek the Musical, when that came out, that was the movie on stage. You know, with the same costumes, the way it looked. Same story, same, same jokes. Kind of poking fun, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, this is actually a kid in yellow pants, and it deals with coming of age and all this kind of fun stuff. So it's it's in. <laughs> It's using the characteristics, but then humanizing them. So you're gonna, you're not gonna be watching a sponge and a starfish. You're actually gonna be <laughs> watching people who have those characteristics and. Can you imagine? Yeah, those those things. So it went really well in Chicago. I mean, they wouldn't they wouldn't have gone this far, and especially with shows closing left and right, and people not getting back their funding, I mean, this would never happen if there wasn't something there. So this might be something to check out. And I'm kind of really excited to see it. I love innovative theater. I love things that are are different. I think there was even um, the octopus character, Squidworth. Mm-hmm. Squidward. Yeah, he was tap dancing with eight legs, and uh-huh. that was a huge showstopper in Chicago. So... I think this will be a lot of fun, and it's taking theater to new heights and seeing new stuff, and that's what it's about, you know, changing the game. All right, well, speaking of change, it's very good segues this episode, I have to admit. Yeah. Um, Panic at the Disco. Oh, really? Yeah, before Paco. Mm. Panic at the Disco fans know that frontman Brendan Urie began, began performances as Charlie Price, on May 26th in Kinky Boots. Now, this is his Broadway premiere, and um, he's a celebrity. Panic of the Disco is one of my favorite bands, and ticket sales of Kinky Boots have increased since he began performances. Now, he, if if you'll remember, he is not the first celebrity to be brought into Kinky Boots. Uh, Todrick Hall has already played Lola for a short run. Mm -hmm. So, um... Why do you think we're bringing in all these celebrities? I mean, and his he's not even staying for a long time. I think he's leaving in another month or so. So why why are we bringing in celebrities for short stints? Is it a ploy? Is it like a shot in the arm? Do you think the show's on its heels? <laughs> but No, I think um I think especially shows like Kinky Boots and Hello Dolly there's already actresses who've expressed interest in stepping into the role of Dolly Levi when Bette leaves. You know, and you got Donna Murphy, who is doing um, the matinee performances. So these are they're great roles, and a lot a lot of people really like Kinky Boots, and a lot of people want to step into um, those roles. 
just for fun to see if they can do it. And what, what's a better safe place than a show that's already successful? That's true. You know, so I think that it gives them a chance to stretch some acting talent. I remember um, specifically, but I know a lot of times if they can't get a celebrity, the shows will close. Um, uh, specifically speaking, Sweet Charity, when that came out with Christina Applegate, when she was leaving the show, because she was going through a lot, she had breast cancer and she was going through a divorce. Um, so she had to leave the show earlier than she wanted to. She was nominated for a Tony Award and she was fantastic. I actually got to see the show um, when I was in college. They wanted Britney Spears to step into the role. And Britney, they flew Britney Spears out to actually watch the show. And she looked like she was going to do it, but Britney Spears was going through her own thing at the time. And she declined. And when she declined, they just closed the show altogether. Because that was kind of like, I guess, their last hope. Uh, so, it, yeah, that, that is a thing, too. You know, you want to keep a show going, so you bring in a star to step into the role. All right. Well, I mean, I like Kinky Boots a lot. so, And I'm sure he's doing a great job. I mean, the reviews say he's great. I love his voice. I love Panic at the Disco. So... Yeah, well, no, and it does it does create more of a buzz and an interest because you want to see that actor in a show. Even if you've already seen it. It's like, oh, Brendan, I want to see this. But sometimes when you hire an actor and actress who they don't have the stamina to do eight performances a week because it is hard. It's very and hard. show can fail. Famous example being Fantasia stepping into the role of Celie in The Color Purple, the original. She missed more performances than she actually performed. And that closed the show, you know, because people came to see Fantasia, and Fantasia was not performing. And they had to give refunds. And let me tell you, Oprah was not happy. And the one person on this earth you do not want to piss off is Oprah Winfrey. Yeah, that, mm, yeah, drama. To the point where when um, Oprah got the Presidential Award for Leadership in the Arts, um... <laughs> She asked Jennifer Hudson to sing the the grand finale, I'm Here. And it won't have anything to do with Fantasia, because Fantasia offered, and then she said, nope. Well, because we don't know if she would actually show up. True story. True story. But all right, guys, enough about that. I know uh, that is interesting if you're you know, interested in what's going on Broadway and how the Tonys were and all that fun stuff. What's going on with us? Well, let's talk about us. Yes. So we've been sort of uh, MIA for a little bit because we spent the last month in pre-production, production, and post. Well, we're still in post, so I mean, it's a little bit longer. We have Get It Productions have completed their first short film. That's us. We're good at production. Yeah, so, well, I mean, I think they know they're listening to our podcast. It says get production. <laughs> right. Well, we're excited. We had a we had a wonderful cast and crew assembled. And here in New York, we shot. We shot in a studio, The Alchemist, uh, in Union Square. And we shot live in Jamaica, Queens, in an apartment. It was one of the most exhilarating and amazing experiences. And one of the Exhausting. things... Exhausting. Well, it's, yeah, exhausting. But, you know, it's it's one of those things they say, if you're doing something you enjoy, then you're never working a day, a minute in your life, you know. And we worked, I, I think those two days when we were shooting, we, we worked barely slept. well over 30-something hours. And it was a blast. 
We started with the game. So if you watch our YouTube channel, you we attempted the game um, at the 48-hour film challenge, and if you heard our other podcasts, it did not go as well or you know as expected or planned. And Jeanette felt like the script deserved another shot. Because it did. It was a very good story, and it was the one time that he sent me a script and I said, I have no notes. So I said, you know what? We didn't really get to do it justice, so let's do it the right way. I'm going to come up to New York. I'm going to find a crew. We're going to have a, a casting call and auditions, and we're going to do this like for real. We're going to have a studio to shoot in. We're going to have professional crew. We're going to have a real DP, and we had real makeup artists. And let me tell you, the production value difference was insane. I love you, Michael. But uh, our makeup artist, Mr. Dead, like, you're fired. All right, I'm, I'm down with that because Mr. Dead was awesome. Mr. Dead so. was insane. Like, you're fired. And Michael also, for the first time, he was not in it. He wasn't I, in one of our productions. I wasn't in it. He I was directed. Direct, uh, director and writer. So, yeah, you guys have definitely got to check it out when it comes out. It was a really fun process. Like I said before, we actually had a casting call. And stay tuned. There's more productions that are going to come out that we're doing. We're only getting leverage, and we're really excited and have a great momentum going. So check it out. If you guys are on backstage and you're interested and you want to be a part, come out to an audition. And it's a lot of fun. So we spent all day auditioning. We saw a lot of actors. We found an amazing team. And what's really cool, there's a, there's a couple of really great stories there was one submission that we got, and I wasn't part. I like I, I wasn't casting. I was there as the director, and I was helping with the casting process. Michael was too much of a bleeding heart, and he wanted to give everyone an audition. But by the way, shout out to backstage because we had some amazing applicants. Amazing. Yeah, we, really, we really did. We had over three hundred and fifty submissions, and we only had seven roles to to fill. So. It was, it was a fun process, but we, we did the callback and the audition on the same day, and it was fun to get to work with the actors and really like explore the script, because I learned a lot just from the audition process. But one of my favorite stories, we got a submission from um, the girl who actually plays the lead, Roman. So Ro shout out to Roman. She was fantastic. So <laughs> Wonderful leading lady. So Saxton Scott and Elizabeth Methedridge, who you heard on our past podcast, they were the casting directors um, and also production team on this. They were fantastic. They went through all of the submissions. They watched all of the video um, submissions that they got, and they did a wonderful job at scheduling people, and we had an amazing audition. But there was one submission that Saxton said no to, and Elizabeth was like, yeah, maybe you're right. And then for some reason, Elizabeth kept going back to her picture and was just like, I don't know. Let's give her a shot. And so even when we got to the audition, they were looking and they were like, oh, this was the, the one that we, we, you know, Elizabeth really wanted. She's like, yeah, I want to give her a shot. So we're like, okay, cool. So we're going to give her a shot. She came in and rocked it out. She got the part. So there you go. You know, and the, and the people that... It's one of those Cinderella stories because Elizabeth fought for her. 
Yeah. And we were like, oh, that person's that, and that person's that. Oh, yeah, 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 that one, that one, that one. It didn't work out that way. So the casting process is really interesting, and it was a lot of fun to be on the other side of the table this time, not auditioning, but actually watching. And it was amazing how a person or people can come into the room and completely change your mind. And she did an amazing job, as well as the, I mean, the entire cast did an amazing job. I'm really, really excited for you guys to to meet them. You'll get to meet them as these characters, and it's going to be a lot of fun, because they're a really great, really great cast. And on top of that, Jeanette assembled an amazing crew. I mean, I think we're all friends. I think we're going to have a barbecue. I know. We're all best friends. Yeah, it's uh, it was all the stars were aligned for this project, so I'm really excited. If you like horror films... If you like a thriller, psychological story, you will love this. fantasy, check this out. I think you guys are really going to like the game. It's going to be coming soon. We'll have a trailer to you really soon. And, yeah, we're going to enter some competitions and see where we can go with this because it's the beginning of a much bigger idea. But it was so much fun to actually be in the creative process and to be in the production process of something that – we all created and were there from ground zero to something pretty special. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to say it is one of my favorite memories of this year so far. Yeah, it no, was pretty okay. incredible. We do have some pictures. We're going to post some pictures on our yes. website. So you can see Elizabeth did an amazing job, like, doing behind-the-scenes photos. She took some beautiful photos. So you, you can check out some of the makeup. We won't get too much away because we want you to see the movie. And, um, yeah, I think you're. I think, I think you guys will be pleasantly surprised. Also, stay tuned for some one-on-one -on -one interviews that we're going to do with some of the cast and crew in the next couple of podcasts, talking about the experience of putting this together. Because one of our mission statements is turning artists into entrepreneurs. We're creating work, and we're going out there, and we encourage everyone to do the same. And it isn't an easy process. There's nothing easy about it. You really need to have an amazing support, and you need to have talented people surrounding you at all times. Otherwise, you'll have a similar experience that we have had in April for the 48-Hour Film Challenge. Like, you really need everybody on board with you, and you cannot – you really have to put your ego to the side. And we talked about ego being important, but ego should never get in the way, especially of an entire team who aren't getting paid very much to do it. You know, like you have to have that respect and also that excitement. You have to maintain that excitement. And that, that to me was the most rewarding experience of this whole process, that it was a group of people coming together, doing something we love and something that we believed in. And it was, it came out, really really nice and it meant a lot to me because i wrote it so <laughs> having conversations with actors talking about the role talking about the lines talking about wow this was so cool and saying things that i did not intend and i'm just like wow yeah you know, you know that's good that's, yeah Bill, you're so talented I keep I'm coming cool. up with all these backstories and we're like oh <laughs> yeah 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 that's totally what we meant <laughs> Yeah, I know. Well, it really does take a village. It takes a village to make something unbelievable. And as far as me as an actor, as far as me as a director and a writer, I've always been a collaborator because I've always known that my costume designer was would inform 
the role that I'm playing. So I, they, whenever they asked, well, what do you think? I was like, well, why don't you do it and let me see it, <laughs> you know, and let me try it on. Let me let me live in it for a minute. And because I don't want it, I don't want to set up any borders for anyone, because sometimes you you'll bring something to me that I would have never thought in a million years. And that is the missing piece to me creating a character, me writing a story, me directing something much bigger. That's pretty much the experience we had. It was an amazing collaboration. So um, stay tuned for that. Oh, and a little last-second news. Um, congrats goes out to Lin-Manuel Miranda. It has been announced he will get his own Hollywood Walk of Fame star. Aw, good for him. I know. it's so, And, you know, he always looks like it's the best moment of his life all the time anyway. So I'm sure he's going to be thrilled. It's well, he's pretty humble. He he says that in many interviews. He's just like, I never expected in a million years that I would be so highly lauded and all this stuff. And it's just like, good job, man. Keep doing what you're doing. You're changing. You're changing everything. You're changing the game. And that's the beginning of a renaissance. And we're in the middle of it. So, so it's congrats, congrats to him. That's awesome news that he's getting that. I can't wait to get mine. All right. Well, start changing the game, Michael. The hell, I did. No, I you, you wrote you wrote the game. That's not changing the game. Well, okay. I'm just saying. I'm, change right, well, the game. Right, as soon as I get off of here, I'm gonna start writing a, a new script. Well, you need to actually because you are now back into creative mode. Therefore, I need more scripts from you for me to produce. I'm gonna write a musical. We call. Please don't. Trumpleton. Oh my God. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I don't think you've ever had the distinct horror of hearing a Michael song. Oh, well, all right, all right. A Michael-produced song. It's, it's see what musical I write, and when I win all the Tony Awards. Uh, that's a um, <laughs> I just, I'm just gonna say that's never gonna happen. Um, Michael's songs are wonderful. They're crazy, and they're random, and they sound like, uh... Frozen, actually, would be a really good example, except <laughs> that Frozen was horribly successful, so... Alright, but... We <laughs> Michael actually... could have written that. Alright, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, you know. Aw, Michael, you know I love you. I produce all your stuff. What the hell? What the hell, indeed. Uh -huh. from the game. Oh, my goodness. All right, you guys. So that's all we had for this week. Join us next week where we talk more. We're going to have a special interview next week. What? That's going to be exciting, and that's going to be a lot of fun. All right. So. Remember, you guys, it isn't easy, but it's a whole lot of fun going after our dreams. See you next week. Bye.